Okay, for the past several months, Mission Outreach Council has been discussing several concerns and issues um, having to do with the quality of life. And in order to acquaint the you of the parish with these topics, we decided to have a Quality of Life Sunday. To uh, call attention to this, um, the Dean will be addressing this topic in his lecture, and we have, members of the Council, have collected information and literature on several different areas. These are CPR, can care, elderly care, which Betty said has written a tract on that, um, blood drive, Alzheimer's disease, living well, and in addition to this, the Cathedral Gardens Fund. So, um, following the lecture, some of you have already found these um, sources of information, and after the lecture, the rest of you, feel free to come pick up copies. Thank you. Thank you, Anne. This um, quality of life issue that's being addressed uh, holds within it these possibilities for uh, your involvement, but also uh, I think one of the things that's being highlighted here is that we have a very important structure called the uh, council system where we have advisory councils in different areas of ministry, liturgy, education, um, mission, membership, evangelism. And that this cathedral really does uh, have a, a way of running itself through this council system. And though the council system uh, might have been my idea, it's really been put into place and structured by Jeannie Roth and the staff in it so that we have a great structure by which ministries go on and are not dependent on uh, any one person, but uh, has a great life and structure uh, program of its own. And I wanted to recognize Jeannie Roth as the one who really is the stick that stirs that drink. Uh, and not only does she run the council system and see that all four of the councils function and that they are about their missions and ministries, in addition to that, she's in charge of the art shows uh, that go on here in the Great Hall, and she also runs all of the weddings at the cathedral. And so Jeannie is a very important part of our staff, probably undervalued, under-recognized, and I wanted to recognize and thank Jeannie Roth at the back of the room for all that she does. That recognition is in lieu of a raise. I won't <laughs> I, like many of you, must have been, I was thrilled, as many of you must have been the other night, on a small clip on a show I think is called Entertainment Tonight. Comes on about six or six thirty when I sit down to read uh, the newspaper and watch the news and it must succeed the news because it's sort of a people magazine you know what's going on of importance in the world and our lives <laughs> things that will have deep and abiding influence upon society at large and the history of, of humankind and I saw just a clip, as it were, 
of Garth Brooks wearing an Oklahoma State t-shirt. Now, as I can see, many of you um, <laughs> saw that too. Garth Brooks has won the Country and Western Music Awards. He got six the other night of Country and Music Awards. I, I'm, I apologize, I don't know the specific names of the categories in which he was a winner. But I do know that Garth Brooks, who is this award-winning country and western singer, contemporary uh, star, is from Stillwater, Oklahoma, which is the home of Oklahoma State University, and he had on an Oklahoma State t-shirt. And I just wanted to pass that on to you all. <laughs> We're here to talk about quality of life. Garth Brooks has a song. He said, I, the, the line in the song that I bring to you is, I could have missed the pain, but I'd have had to have missed the dance. Now, that seems to me um, to frame part of the problem of a discussion of the quality of life. And by the way, I've instructed them to not turn the air conditioning on today as a sort of um, <laughs> a way to um, celebrate my career here of building this wonderful monument, um, which the air conditioning never works, and to uh, also uh, have you realize why I'm not going to stay in this place because. <laughs> I've got to worry about the damn air conditioning all the time. <laughs> Is it hot in here or what? <laughs> so anyway, Garth Brooks frames for us something of the quality of life. And as we go down the table here and begin to look at the kinds of concerns that we're talking about vis-a-vis -vis the quality of life, is that we're really talking about things that may rob us from the quality of life, uh, such as illness or death. And so we must, I think, to do a discussion of the quality of life, be very clear, or as clear as we can be with such mystery, about the two views of quality of life that exist competitively within the human psyche. The first one has to do with the view of the center of consciousness, which is called uh, the ego. The ego is that complex of energy that is dedicated to consciousness. It is sort of that which rests within the center of consciousness, has several functions within the psyche. The first one is to create an identity, a personal identity, an I am. The second is to locate the entire quantum of energy known as personality into a time and space. And that is the most seductive uh, problem for quality of life within the human psyche, and that is the nature of the ego that is to place us in time and space, because if you listen carefully, you will see that within time and space, if the ego is to be substantial, it must have lots of time and quantity. 
A third function is to differentiate and connect, that is the ability to tell the differences between things and to connect things that are different. Now, the ego, therefore, is the sort of the organ of the psyche that adapts and survives. And the value system for the ego, which is the center of consciousness, which has as its goal adaptation and survival, in order to locate the entire psyche into time and space, to have an identity, which is a name, a sexuality, or a gender, uh, to have a vocation, to have a set of people who recognize and value uh, the ego, to have a self-image, that is how I perceive and relate to myself, but also to do this interesting thing that the ego does for the entire psyche, and that is to locate in time and space. So the ego has one view of what is a quality of life. And the quality of the life, quality of life for the ego is lots of time and lots of space, quantity. The ego considers quality of life to be a quantity of life. Now let's try it just in very simple terms, and that is to say that the ego has as its function in the human psyche, uh, if we could think once again poetically, that somehow, for some mysterious reason beyond our consciousness, we are plucked out of eternity and brought into history. It's as if beyond time and space there is an existence that we're in, and once again we have spatio-temporality limitations with our own language because even when we talk about things being beyond time and space, we talk about being in a place beyond time and space, which is a sort of interesting contradiction. To be beyond time and space and to be plucked into history, conceived by God as it were, and the conception coming bet between um, or through two human individuals called parents, and we're brought into time and space. And so the ego has as its function is to bring consciousness to this organism known as the psyche or the personality. And the ego development is dependent upon the development of consciousness, and consciousness has to do with the relationship to time and space. And so the quality of life for the ego is to prosper, to adapt, to survive, to develop an identity, to develop a power, to develop uh, a competence, to develop a sense of worth. And so that most of our ego development in this moment when consciousness is split off from unconsciousness, and we begin this historical journey of time and space, spatio-temporality, that the ego begins to develop its own value system as to what is the quality of life. And the quality of life, logically, maybe even appropriately for the ego, is quantity. The more, the better. The more that I conscious that I can become, the more conscious I am. The more that I can acquire, the more worth I have. 
the more time that I can chop out for the ego, the more value for the ego. Now, one of the other sort of seductive things that is interesting about the ego, and that is the center of our own consciousness, is that it presumes and plays a trick on the entire system that the ego is the sum and substance of the entire psyche. So that my quality, egocentrically, what's best for General Motors is best for the country. What's best for my ego, satiation, gratification, satisfaction is best for my entire system. And the ego begins to presume and try to seduce the entire psyche into believing that the power centered in consciousness called ego is the center of the psyche. And that is um, what we might call psychologically an immature view uh, of the psychological system. Now, one of the things you must remember about the ego is that there's a time when the ego did not exist. And the ego comes into existence probably at conception, but at least at birth in the beginning of consciousness. It emanates out of unconsciousness. There is a sort of traumatic and dramatic split into consciousness. Finally, at about age two, we have some degree of consciousness, and that is the ability to differentiate me from mother or parents, to locate in a particular time and space, and to have an identity, a name. Now, the greatest threat, of course, to the ego is non-being, because the ego has to establish being in time and space. And so not being is a threat to the ego. Now, there's great trauma, anxiety, fear, threat, dread centered around this concept of non-being for the ego. The greatest threat, of course, to the ego is to not be. Now, death for the ego is the symbol of not being. The ego recognizes that when people die, they leave time and space. They're not available for an egocentric relationship. And so that death looks very much like non-being to the ego. One of the other things the ego begins to learn is that pain, coming in a variety of experiences, that pain gets associated with non-being. In other words, one of the things that the ego experiences is when it's trying to develop, if somebody says, you're no good, I do not like you, you have no place here, the ego begins to feel that it cannot survive or prosper unless it has a place and a name, an identity, a worth. And so if people are abusing, shaming, disregarding, devaluing the ego, the ego cannot prosper in time and space. And so the pain that gets associated with devaluing also gets associated with what is obvious for the ego, and that is the total uh, dissolution 
of material, which is death. And so pain gets associated with death because pain is associated with non-being, and for the ego, death looks like non-being. And so the avoidance of pain becomes one of the ego functions, and that is to not be involved in anything that hurts. Now, so death for the ego is the ultimate threat. And so to deny death or to destroy death or to overcome death is the great function purpose of the ego. So that quality of life for the ego is equated with quantity. Not only the quantity of time, live forever, but the quantity of material that helps fill up the vacancy of non-being. In other words, the more that we can acquire in terms of net worth, the more we are able to justify our worth. And that begins with mother. And that's, of course, what matter and material are about, is that matrix out of which we've come and that the early association with ego satiation is mother, which is the root of the word material or matter. And so the acquisition of material, in addition to a quantity of time, is an ego value, a quantity of material also satiates the ego's need to be. Now, if I have more material than you do, it appears that I am more than you are. I have more than you do. Now, it doesn't take much wisdom to see all of a sudden we're constellating other kinds of ego needs that are associated with quality of life, such as power. Power is not only uh, the ability to acquire material things, but it's the decision-making power as to how that material is distributed. So now we have an economic theorem, really, which is a part of what the ego development is all about, is economy. And that is, how can I acquire enough material to justify my existence as filling up my time and space. And so we, we don't confuse. It's not an improper value. It's just an ego value. That is, to get as much for as long as possible. That's a quality of life for the ego. Now, it might appear that you're waiting for the other shoe to drop and for me to say that that's wrong or that's bad or that's inappropriate or it's not the great value. I'm not going to do that. And that's just the way it is. Now, but there is another voice in the psyche. 
And that's called the soul. Called by many names. And the tradition out of which we've come, the soul, is that part that is the subtle body, as it were. It is the embodiment of our personhood. In the same way that we can think about our bodies somehow embodying the soul, that this uh, particular body embodies my soul. The soul embodies our personality, our personhood. So the soul is not the opposite of the ego, it is that which encompasses the ego or embodies the ego in a greater personality than simply consciousness or time and space or identity apart from. And one of the things we do know is that if one doesn't develop a personality in addition to the ego, that one becomes egocentric, or as, uh, as popularly now known as narcissistic, based on the myth of Narcissus who saw his reflection in the pond when he bent to, to take a drink of water and stared at himself till he died. And that's the myth out of which we get narcissism. Um, but God and God's infinite wisdom will occasionally bring us a contemporary uh, understanding of narcissism that seems to communicate more uh, just than the collective unconscious lifting up a mythological figure that the collective consciousness will lift up a contemporary figure to fulfill the need for definition as to what we are. And I would uh, posit uh, that uh, the world has done that in Donald Trump. <laughs> we must thank God for Donald Trump because for any of you who have not been able to understand this difficult concept of narcissism, um, you might want to ride your bicycle in the Tour de Trump. Or go to the Trump Tower. Or the Tajma Trump or whatever. I don't have this as a fact, and it is um, probably a projection on my part, uh, but I have not yet seen the evidence of his subtle body. <laughs> Whatever it is that he's living his life for um, seems to be different uh, from what it is that the soul seeks. He said politely. <laughs> now, even with that sort of sarcasm and parody, I'm not really saying that the ego is bad in terms of its values. It's just different. And it sets up a, not even a competition, but it sets up a movement in us from the necessity of establishing an ego center to the 
movement from an ego center into a soul center, and so that the quality of life in our journey begins at some point to change from quality equated with quantity to quality equated with those things that are not held within time or space. That the values for a quality of life in soul-making are not contained within time and space, cannot be contained within time and space. So that the things that are valuable within the soul are the gifts that the world cannot give. There are gifts that the world can give to the human personality that gratify and satiate the ego. Material and time. I just want some more time. That's an ego need. Not to be devalued, uh, nor is it uh, to be ridiculed. We all want more time. That's the nature of the egocentric human being. And yet, the gifts that the world cannot give are the soul gifts. Those qualities of life that are not bound by time or space. So that when the ego needs material, time, power, the soul needs the fruits of the spirit. So that the quality of life for the soul is the ability to find love and peace and participation in something greater than one's ego, a sense of eternity, a growing knowing that all of those things for which we have spent our time and energy have not been wasted, but are no longer fulfilling. It's a movement from ego to soul. It takes a journey of life to understand that. Now what we now know, though, is that in order for the ego to make its journey outward, as it were, that there must be a lot of time and energy spent on the development of that. And we need to recognize that for what it is, value it in terms of its importance, but place it in its proper perspective. Fame, power, wealth, worth, are all the quality of life for the ego. Acquisition of things, satiation of this desire of ego to have a lot of time and a lot of space. The movement is that those things which satiated the ego, we begin to discover that the ego is has within its own nature an insatiable quality. 
Almost the more you feed the ego, the more it demands. In order to keep egocentricity alive, you have to keep feeding power, material, identity, fame, narcissism as it were, attention, gratification, stimulation. The more you develop the ego, the more it demands of the system. And so at some point, it will happen to all of us, something will happen, some crisis or illness or difficulty, some malaise, some what the French call a basement, some depression, some loss of energy centered around the ego, some loss in the outer world, some experience, maybe simply a growing sense that I cannot continue to feed this monster. And we begin to look for another dimension, another way, another part of our own personality. We begin to look for something that will tie us back to the eternity from which we've come and to which we're going. A larger worldview, a greater possibility. And that begins the soul-making or the soul journey. And it's a time when the quality of life now gets separated from quantity. And we begin to seek those gifts that the world cannot give. And we begin to focus our energy no longer just on fame and fortune, but on a sense of peace, a sense of gracefulness, a sense of fulfillment, a sense finally of knowing that the end of the ego is the beginning of something unimaginable. And that all of that dread that we have built our system upon, dreading getting sick, dreading uh, being in pain, dreading death because it looks like non-being, we begin to develop a life of our own that is not dependent upon outer world gratification, but inner world peace. It was reported to me recently by people I trust that they knew a woman who had said to them and acted as if she meant what she said. And she said, I don't care what anybody thinks of me. That's a powerful statement. I mean, I, I mean, I literally, that is a statement full of power. It either means that she is sociopathological or she has developed sufficient soul that she is no longer dominated or determined by her ego need for approval. If the second's true, this is a powerful person. 
Let's take another example of somebody who has made a decision for a quality of life rather than a quantity of life, and that would be Gandhi. Gandhi eschewed anything of egocentric satiation and gratification. No material goods, no power, no quantity of life. And essentially said to the world, I don't care what you think of me. I am following my soul, not my ego, and its need to satisfy the outer world in order to get the awards and certifications of the fact that I do exist in this world. He evidently had established his ego so that he could let it go. That uh, naked, scrawny little man was one of the most powerful men uh, in the last century. Now, the irony is that if we give up this ego need to continue to feed this monster gratification, satiation, stimulation, if we can give that up and allow approval to come from within rather than from without, we can begin a soul journey for a quality of life that is very different from the quality of life for the ego. And so when we say to one another, quality of life, we probably have contradictory feelings or values about what a quality of life is. Part of me says, you ask me, uh, what, is the what is the quality of life? It would be a winterized cottage in Barhammer, Maine, where I could write all day and all night and uh, walk the beaches, uh, eat lobster. in humility. <laughs> and do that forever. Part of me says that a quality of life has to do with finding some meaning which nobody else can find for me or award me with, I cannot purchase that. I cannot sell it even if I acquired it. That's to seek some meaning. That's got quality of life for me. To find some purpose for this spatio-temporality and this birth I did not request, this grave I cannot escape, this name I've been given, this set of gifts, these assets, these liabilities, find a place for that that is not in time and space. Another way to say that is to have soul mates. People whose souls my soul amplifies. To have a sense that I belong to something greater than myself and that the world was not created for me, but I was created for the world. It's a big difference. 
rather than sitting and staring in the mirror, wondering how I can continue to promote and perpetuate this power, is to quit looking in the mirror. And to begin to look inside. That my gratification and satiation now is one of soul which has nothing to do with material. It has to do with things of the nature of the spirit. Whatever is the quality of life for the soul is those things that the world cannot give. Peace, love, and blessing. So when we talk about quality of life, uh, we have competitive quality of life. And I am not on a fanatic, ascetic, uh, monastic journey of declaring and denying all material things. But I do want to say that those are not as important to me as some of the things that make my heart sing. Some of those things that are deep longings. Finding the place that I finally am able to justify my existence, not by having more than you, but simply being fully myself. That seems to me to have a ring of quality about it, which cannot be measured by any quantity, either time or space. Now, in order to get to that place requires a lot of experience, a lot of experimentation, a whole lot of pain, suffering. Joy is what comes when one finds some increment of soul development. Happiness is when one is able to satiate an ego desire. Those are two different things. And so the suffering is the knowledge that I have not finally finished my development. It's also the recognition that death, for each of us, may be the only way we can finally get into our soul. That to be embodied in our soul, our bodies have to dematerialize so that we graduate or transcend the material into that which we were created to be and have been from the beginning. That, it seems to me, is what Garth Brooks calls the dance. And there's only one way to get through it, and that's the experimentation of the egocentric world and the loss and the difficulty and finally realizing the pain that it costs to get to the dance. Eliot talks about that in his four quartets, of that sense of the dance. So there is a way to avoid the pain, and that is don't go to the dance. Just continue to satiate 
the ego, which develops happiness and pleasure, which masks the pain. That's one way. That's called denial. You can build towers, create monuments, perpetuate images, acquire great goods, and yet you don't ever dance. And the way to get to the dance of the soul, it seems to me, is to finally say that ego is not enough and that even if I have a disability to my material, I can still have a quality. If I don't have a quantity, it may hasten my entrance into the quality. The ego hates loss because it looks, because the loss requires the ego to look in the mirror. The ego cannot stand failure or disapproval because it begins to feel like non-being. The soul goes right on and is not bound by time and space and doesn't know the anxiety or the ego fear. This is the peace that passes all understanding for which we pray. Now that is the blessing of the church which requires the death of the ego. Quality versus quantity. Ego versus soul. This is the human situation. The religious journey, it seems to me, is to value the ego, put it in its proper place and perspective, and make a final or ultimate journey into the soul, seeking the peace which passes all understanding. The quality of life is available no matter what your external circumstance. Rich, poor, sick, well, qualities available. Many are called, few choose. Amen.